The Flip the Mindset podcast is a platform of hope for people struggling with the pressures of modern day society. Hope that we can get back from the darkest of places. Help is out there. Please speak up and don't struggle alone. Please, 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 please subscribe and help me on my journey to raising awareness and making mental health a subject that everyone feels comfortable talking about. Almost like talking about the football. So, on to today's podcast and let's go through today's sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Diced. Diced are Scotland's leading meal prep company. We have risen from cooking in our family home to providing food to the whole of the UK. We also have a strong background in working with charities as we provided the elderly, vulnerable and NHS Scotland with over 4,000 meals during the first lockdown in partnership with Edinburgh Helping Hands. We since have an official partnership with Good Trees in which we provide on average between 300 and 500 meals per week. Being a scheme boy myself, this is an owner, me too though, (laughs) I know the struggles people go through and I want to do my utmost to make poverty a thing of the past. Meal Prep provides people with a lifeline and the ability to eat the leanest, meanest and freshest meals on the market and we are just getting started. If you don't already, give us a follow on Instagram at Diced Meal Prep. Order via our website www.dicedmealprep.co.uk and leave us a wee review. Hashtag, we work hard so you don't have to. Next sponsor, C2C Windows Limited are a family run company based in Edinburgh and Glasgow. We provide a one stop shop for tradesmen and a first class installation service for the public. Only selling top class products including Camden, Smart and Shuko. Check out our website at www.c2cwindowsdoors.co.uk And last but not least, DC Electrical Edinburgh, Edinburgh's number one electrical contractors. NICEIC approved contractors, we cover home rewires, fuse board upgrades, partial rewires, electrical testing, lead lighting upgrade, smoke alarms and fault finding. Find us on www.dcelectricaledinburgh.co.uk Now imagine you're 11 years old and the doctor diagnoses you with Crohn's disease. A few weeks later, he calls you back in after a scan and he diagnoses you with cancer. Our next guest is 14-year-old Brandon Bonner. Brandon is a real breath of fresh air. He's an inspiration to those all around him and I don't even think he knows it. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Brandon. And before I say any more, I'm just going to leave you guys to enjoy the company of this fine young man. Let's go. Guys, what is happening? Welcome to another episode of the Flip the Mindset podcast. This is episode 14 and um, I'm humbled today. I've got a very fine young gentleman with me. Um, Brandon has... Been through a bit at the tender young age of 14. Um, he was diagnosed with Crohn's in 2017, and that led to them finding out that he had cancer. He has since been put in remission for cancer, and he's a very he's a very special and inspirational young man. I'm absolutely delighted to have you here, first of all. What's been happening? 
No, it's nothing. Well, just been chilling over the lockdown. It's um, it's been quite boring to be honest. Like, um, just sitting in the house doing my schoolwork. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how's, how's online learning been? It's been good, but at the same time, it's. I mean, it, it's been good, but I, I kind of bored going back to school. Like, no, nah. Do you know a lot of people are going to be a wee bit hesitant and going back? Aye. What do you think it is? Just. I just, I don't even know, I just think it's because we've been on for so long and then kind of just getting back into the routine. Because uh-huh. we like the only lessons and that. I've only got like, um, like, see like on a Thursday, that's my day off, I don't have any, so I can uh-huh. just have a long lie on a Thursday. But when you go back to school, you have to get up at like 7 o'clock to go to school, so it's just, a, it's just a getting up early. You can't be bored. Can't be bored, <laughs> No, I'd be the same, mate. I think uh, so many kids are going to be in your boat. Are you anxious or anything about coming back to school? <sighs> Not really, to be honest, like, I mean, a wee bit. A wee bit, because last time I went to school, I was quite nervous. I felt quite nervous in mm-hmm. that, and to be honest, I actually took a flare up with my Crohn's disease. And I didn't care what it was, because I'm no, I'm no normally a nervous person, or emotional person or that, but like when I went back in August, um, after the first lockdown, I felt like really nervous in that, just come back, just because it had been so long. Mm-hmm. I was... Just a wee jing, that the nerves brought that wee flare up. I think we did, like, because I mean... Because your, your central nervous system aye. controls your stomach a lot, you'll, aye, you'll know all definitely. this stuff. Aye. And, um, you know, and when we—that's why when we feel emotional or something, we get butterflies in our stomach. I, de- I definitely, and I spoke to my—I spoke to my consultant about it, right? And he said to me that he had three pupils that were in S six doing their exams, right? And he said that every one of them took a flare up when it came to kind of doing their exams because of the stress, because wow. wow. of the stress and anxiety, kind of stuff like that. That's interesting. So most likely a flare up, it can most likely be triggered by stress or kind mm-hmm. of feeling anxious all the time or anxiety stuff like that. Hmm, I wonder if that will lead to any breakthroughs and how to mm-hmm. how to kind of get. How do they get on top of it? Is it just? It's just. It's weird to explain. Like obviously, you can go on medications uh-huh. and other stuff like that, or you can have surgery, or like well, there's loads of different things. So there's medications, tablets, steroids, antibiotics, anti-immune suppressants. There's um, there's surgery if you need that. And then there's another option, which is milkshake diet. You can't eat anything for eight weeks at all. And it's just drinking milkshakes every day. I love milkshakes. Do you? Oh. Do you think you'd be able to tan 11 a day? Yes. McDonald's, strawberry. <laughs> um, oh. right. So it's, um, oh, it's 11 milkshakes a day on the milkshake <laughs> diet. <laughs> be hard for me, like. <laughs> <laughs> um, 11 a day? Oh, you don't need to tell me that, man. I'm like, all right, here, mate. Let's go. Um, so we're here to talk about your... Your fantastic um, mindset and attitude, yep. and, and and your conditions and your recovery, yep. right? But f- before we talk about your Crohn's disease, uh-huh. and um, before we talk about Brandon's cancer diagnosis uh-huh. and, and what he went through there, what was life like? I think we all want to know what was life uh, like before. Well, I mean, it was just it was sort of like a normal life, but. Um, I've had, I've had a hard upbringing, I'd say that, because I've stayed with my granny since I was one and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was in jail, most, I think, I got, he got an eight-year sentence when I was, like, one year old. So, I basically, every, it was like every week I was going up to the prison to see him. Yeah. Um, my mum, she was a, um, I've, I've not saw her in ages. Um, I, didn't, I, didn't, I never really saw her, to be honest, like, I mean, I've met her before in that, but she's just, like, kind of jumps in and out of my life, and okay. I'm at the point now where... I can like sort of say to her, like, can I have a feel on that? So, it's, it's, I mean, it's been a, it was a hard upbringing before any of the cancer and the Crohn's and that came along. So you're getting a wee bit, you and your mum are starting to develop a, a relationship. I, I didn't actually, I didn't have a dad. Mm-hmm. Um, he left. 
And um, I actually met him a few years ago. Um, I was 28. 28. And I met my dad. He flew Aye. over from America. Uh-huh. And, oh, unbelievable. 28 years of not having it. Just my mum. Mum's a superstar, as your granny is. Aye. Superstar. My nana helped as well, my Aye. papa. And uh, it's weird, isn't it? Because you're trying... Almost a stranger. Aye, it is. You know what I mean? It's Aye. essentially. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to get this wee spark, this wee relationship spark, and, and, uh, and then you start kind of opening up more. Aye. When really, you feel like you've known each other all your life, but Aye. you don't want to say it. You're just, Aye. you're like, you know what I mean? I definitely. You left me. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot, of, a lot of emotions. But no, we've got a really Aye. good relationship too. So that's good that you're, you're starting to kind of be able Aye. to kind of open up to your mum, you know? Aye. That's cool. And what about your dad? You close to your dad? I'm quite close to my dad. I, I mean, I, I didn't really see my mum. I'm not sure. But the last time I saw her was, I think, it was three years ago, to be honest. Like, okay, I, so okay, I, I didn't really have that relationship. But I speak to her on, like, on Facebook and that sometimes. Mm-hmm. But um, she's, a, she's a drug addict. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for to maintain a, a relationship. Sorry, yeah. um, But my dad, I've got a good relationship with him. Right. I see him every two days. Comes up, comes up to my house. Play FIFA together. Just, yeah. I, I'd say I've got a really good bond. Definitely. That's cool, man. Can you talk to your dad? Aye, definitely, aye. Definitely. Open up to your dad, cry to your dad and all that stuff. Aye, definitely, aye. The stuff we try and hide. Aye, aye. aye. I'll be sobbing through this, I bet you. <laughs> How many times are you going to make me cry? <laughs> Maybe a couple. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is it like, uh-huh. right, being told that you, you have a condition mm-hmm. that possibly can be, possibly can take your life? Aye. Now, it's scary, right? Now, when I first got, obviously, when I first found out, I was scared. I was bricking myself, honestly. But in the back of my head, I always, it was always positive. Always, always positive through the whole experience. Never really thought I was going to die, anything like that. But then not get me wrong, it was always in the back of me that I was scared. Like, one night, I came home from the hospital, and I was like, you know, kind of hit me, like, what was going on? Yeah. But, and what I have noticed as well is, like, through the whole time, because everything happens so quick, and you're in the hospital every day, and you're always... You're always talking to somebody about it. You didn't really think what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And it was after it that it really hit me, like what I'd just been through, definitely. D- did you tell everyone straight away? I did. Well, I told my family and a few of my close pals, and then I did sort of tell everybody I. What kind of mental process do you need to go through uh-huh. to, to deal with that? At 14? I know. At 11? I, love it. I was 11 when I got diagnosed. It. it was um, It was four days after my 11th birthday. So I was... Here's a, here's a nice birthday present, mate. I know, exactly. Hey, go, happy That's, birthday. That was it. Um, I, I don't know, to be honest, it's just... It's a hard one, because everybody's different. And I'm, I'm a positive guy. I'm always acting positive in that. And I know, like, for and for some people, obviously, they could take that and hold it with me. They could be emotional the whole way through it. So I just really think it depends on you as a person on what, like, how you get through it. But I was always surrounded by, like, positivity. But obviously, everybody was positive. They were like, you'll get through it. You'll, always, you'll be it and that. It was always like that. Um, but it was, it was a big eye-opener as well because you didn't really think it was going to happen to you. Yeah. So it was a, it was a big eye-opener. And, like, in the ward and that, you see, like, babies, like, as young as, like, one-year-old getting chemotherapy. It's not a nice feeling. Yeah. It's not a nice feeling. It's horrible, and it's a big eye opener for me. Like, not a nice place to be. Horrible place to be. Um, so, you then have to obviously go for checkups and treatment mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Right. How did you prepare yourself for that? Well, it was hard. I just so again in, in my mindset, positive, positive, positive. Get through it. Get through it. 
It was just like that, really, to be honest. Like, um, and obviously, I had my granny by my side the whole time. <laughs> to be honest, I was, I was more worried about my granny than me, to be honest, because when I first got diagnosed, my granny was a bit scared yeah. because her mum, her mum, her dad, and her sister died of cancer. So when I, when I first got diagnosed, she was greeting. Like, she was, like, really, really emotional. Mm-hmm. And I can actually remember, like, walking outside the hospital, and she was still greeting. I was like, granny, stop greeting. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I, so um, like before I started my treatment and that, I, to be honest, I felt more shan on her than myself because she had to sit and watch me go through. What and I, shan mean? Like, I said, that's an Edinburgh word, isn't it? I, so, so basically, when you feel shan on somebody, like it's um, you feel like bad for them, but you like so you feel, uh, you feel bad for them. That's probably so for all the all the listeners out of Edinburgh. Aye, sorry, <laughs> means bad. <laughs> Um, so I, I felt bad that she had to um, sit and watch me go through that and get chemotherapy and just watch my because I can remember one day I know I woke up and like my hair just fell out and I was sitting picking it out. I can remember it. It was horrible, but I, I felt horrible having to watch her. Can like go watch her see me go through it. I didn't. It was it wasn't a nice experience. Like such a selfless young man, <laughs> you know. Um, many people would just lose themselves in the Aye. in the moment and just. Aye. Maybe already become defeated, mm-hmm. um, and that—that's the biggest quality about me. I can always positive about stuff. Never ever let anyone get me doing or defeat me. About myself. <laughs> Good. A young Mister Flip the mindset. Aye, that's I it. I love it. Um, <laughs> how did your family friends react? Well, my pals. Obviously, because my pals are sort of the same age as me, had a few older pals who were like 13, 14 at the time. I was only eleven. They took it quite heavy. Were like, because to be honest, when I first. When I first got diagnosed, right, I said to him, I went, I'm not going to see you for a few months. Because I thought when I was getting chemotherapy, because obviously everything happened so quick before even starting my mm-hmm. treatment, mm-hmm. basically, I thought that my immune system was just going to kind of go to the very, like, very low. And obviously mm-hmm. it does go very low, but I thought that I wasn't going to be able to kind of go out in case I caught anything, because I thought I would die if I caught anything. Right, okay, but I, I didn't okay. actually think about it. Okay. And then when my doctor explained it to me, but, so they thought we were going to go to see me for months and that, we were like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to miss you and that. Mm-hmm. But, um, they were really supportive over that, and that's all I can ask for, to be honest. Good pals like that who were always there for me if I ever needed a talk or if I ever need to go and see any of them, they're always there for me. There's so many questions coming into my head. Aye. There's so much. Well, you about. just ask out of my way. Um, <laughs> um, what, so, tell us the kind of cancer you were diagnosed with and uh-huh. about when you were diagnosed, diagnosed off the doctor consultant. Yep. Talk to us about that process. Right, so I'll tell you, can I tell you a few weeks before it as well? On Absolutely, the build up to it, you, right? you, you so, say what you want. On the build up to my cancer, so basically, right, well, I, b- before we go into the Crohn's, basically, right, I took a flare up when I first got diagnosed with Crohn's, right? And the steroids, I was on, I was on 15 tablets a day, 15 tablets wow. a day. My granny told me yesterday, because I, I, I couldn't remember how many tablets I was actually on. So it was 15 tablets a day. It was like calcium tablets, iron tablets. Because when you take a flare, you go like really white, pale. Yeah. So it was like calcium tablets, iron tablets, two different types of steroids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was an, one anti-sickness tablet, and there was a, tab- a tablet for kind of like acid reflux in your stomach. Yeah. So I was on about 15 tablets a day. Wow. Uh, it's a lot. I was 10 at the time, right? It was a lot for somebody my age. Anyway, so... What for someone you need to that age to be putting through the system? I did, I, exactly. <laughs> um, so, I so I was on all the tablets and then my stomach wasn't getting better. So I discussed different treatments with my consultant. I spoke to him. He's, he said I'm allowed to say his name as well, Doctor Wilson. 
consult him also. Um, um, so he we spoke about different treatment options, and he said they wanted to put me on an anti-immune suppressant. Yep. So basically, it's a t- so when you've got Crohn's disease, your immune system's already weak, mm-hmm. but this uh, this tablet makes it a wee bit more weaker, and it's sort of like kind of like dies down the inflammation. Okay. So right. he said to me, I've got, I've got a few different tablets, and one of them was called azathioprine. So I agreed to go on that one, and obviously, as you go on any medication, you get side effects, a list of side effects. Mm-hmm. He told me a list of side effects, and um, one of the side effects was cancer, right? Which is mental. But at the time, my head wasn't in the right place. You know, I was I was going through a hard time with my Crohn's, and I was thinking, right, if it's got to make me better, I do want to go on it. And for people who don't know me, I'm one of the guys who like to ask a lot of questions. Yeah, sure. I love the questions. I know that <laughs> now. <laughs> I, I like to ask a lot of questions. So I was like, I'm like, what's the chances of me getting cancer and that? I, bet. I, I can't remember what he said, but that night, I said to him, give me a couple of days to think about it, right? Mm-hmm. So that night, I went home, and the chances of getting lymphoma, which is cancer I was diagnosed with, is 2 in 10,000. So every two people in 10,000 people would get that cancer. So I was thinking to myself, right, I think I should go on this tablet. Surely I want to get it. It's 2 in 10,000. That sort of put my mind at ease, even though there's still a chance. Mm-hmm. So I went back up to the hospital a couple of days later. We spoke about the tablets. I, I said I, I wanted to go on that. I said that I looked at the risks and that. Me and my granny had to sign a, a form because um, obviously the side effect was getting so severe if I did get it, because it was rare, no severe, I would say rare. So we had to sign a form on that. And to put my mind at ease even more, every two weeks at my local GP, which is five minutes along from my house, um, I was getting my blood taken to test for cancer. Mm-hmm. So that sort of put my mind at ease, right? Yeah. So, boom, I was like, right, we're going on medication. So you're feeling a good stage now. You're feeling a good really, like, I feel like better. We're doing productive for the, aye. we're doing something productive aye. for the Crohn's. We're going to get mm-hmm. us under control. I feel positive, feel mm-hmm. strong, and a good mindset. Right, that's it. So, um, so next, so I think it was um, early January, right? Sitting on my couch, it was, it was a Friday morning. I can remember it was a Friday morning. Because I, I, I walked, I got out of my bed, walked in the living room, um, had my house got on that one. <laughs> um, as you do. I as you do. Um, and I just sat down and I couldn't breathe. Like, it was just like a shooting, like, I didn't want to say pain because it wasn't, well, it sort of was like a pain, but it wasn't like a shooting pain. It was like something kind of like up my chest. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't breathe and it was like I was winded. And I've got two biggest fears, right? And one of them is being sick. I hate being sick. And the other one's being winded. And it felt like I was being winded. I couldn't breathe. I was panicking. Stuck, and I was like to my granny, can I have a day off school? Because it was Friday. And she was like, no, you're not staying off school on that. She thought I was just chancing my luck, because it was Friday. Mm-hmm. And she was like, no, you've got to school on that. And then I started greeting, right? Mm-hmm. And she knew I was something wrong, because I'm a strong person. I didn't yeah. greet over anything. I've done it. You'll, you'll rarely ever see me cry, mm-hmm. right? So she knew I was something wrong. So we went up to A&E. And I think I got, I'm sure I got an X-ray. I got an X-ray. Um... I own my, it was like, kind of like my lungs, mm-hmm. and like above here. So I got an x-ray in that, and after I got the x-ray, because I'm, well, I'm like, got the questions in that, right, I said to my granny, I, no, I said to my nurse, sorry, my nurse, I went, can I, um, can I look at my scan for you? And she went, aye. And my granny said to me, right, there was a big massive blob, kind of like above my lung, a big circle, right? So me and my granny were like, right, I wonder what that is in that, and then they said it was a panic attack, but just to make sure, they wanted to book me in for a scan two weeks later, mm-hmm. right? So two weeks later, on the 12th of February, 2018, four days after my 11th birthday, I went to the hospital, it's just a normal day, I got the scan, right? Um, I got the scan and then 
I said to the doctor when I got the results, she said um, between seven and 14 days. So I was like, right, no problem that. On the way home, I can remember I went to the cafe, I got a haggis and egg roll, <laughs> went home, um, and as, I'm only lying, as soon as I got in the door, my granddad even sat down on the couch, I got a phone call from the hospital, can you come back in, ASAP, we need to speak to you. And that's where the adrenaline kicked in, I was like, whoa, what's going on? Um, so we jumped, I think we got a bus, I, I'm sure we did get a bus, it's only 10 minutes on the bus, so we got on a bus, and she like, on the way up to the hospital, the emotion, like, kind of like in my body, I just, I'll never forget, I was just, I was shaking. I remember shaking, and I just, I'll never forget that, like, because I was just, in the back of my head, I thought it was going to be cancer. Okay, because of the, the tablet and that, and I was thinking, well, why would I get called back in? Must be something serious. So I was shaking, and I just, I've, ne I've never ever felt like this before, because I'm no nervous person about that. I was shaking and that. So we walked on to the hospital, went into A&E, and, &E, and um, the... The, the person at the clinic reception, she said, can you go into our, we'll take you to a room. So we went in the room and we're just sitting and she said, two, a doctor will come and see you soon. And then two doctors came in and see like when you see the look on their face, you just know like they're, they're badass doctors, you know what I mean? They're serious people. So it was my, my later on to be consultant, Dr. Leslie, Dr. Simpson. Um, and I can't remember the other consultant's name because I only really met her once and it was it that day. I can't remember her name. Right. But um, they came in, sat down, and um, I, I can't remember exactly what they said, if I'm going to be honest, right? But I can remember she came down and sat in, and she started talking about my lymph nodes. She says, obviously, you've got one kind of your own pitch, your groin, yeah. um, and somewhere else as well. She started talking about lymph nodes, and then she started talking about cells and kind of DNA and that. And then something about the something doesn't protect against this and it was like that's all i can really remember because my head wasn't a blur that day and i can remember she got a bit of paper i forgot to bring it with me but she like was kind of writing me circles in that kind of split i think it, she was kind of trying to break down the cancer like the cells and that how it works mm -hmm. she was like writing down on that and then she said like can can you have like do you have any guesses on like what it is and my granny said is it cancer and just see like her face she just went mm -hmm. like just like shook her head and me and my granny just burst out into tears it was a horrible, horrible experience that just burst out into tears. I was, I couldn't believe, like, I couldn't believe what I just heard. You didn't ever think that was going to happen to you, did you? In your whole lifetime. So I just burst into my tears. My granny was emotional. And to be honest, as soon as uh, the doctor said cancer, can the big C, it's no word you want to hear. As, as, um, as soon as she said that, I thought of my wee granny, my granny's mum, who, who died of cancer. And I thought, am I going to die? That's the first thing that was in my head. And my granny knew that as well. She, she was, like, quite emotional as well. Because obviously our a lot of people in our family have died of cancer. She was really, really scared. And then the doctor basically started talking about, kind of like she was going to get me back in for a biopsy or stuff like that. Said that I would maybe need to get a Hickman line, which is what I call, I call it a central line, but it's a Hickman. Basically it goes through your neck, sits above your heart, and you can take bloods, chemo, medication, antibiotics for it. Um, so basically, we're walking out to the hospital, and you know me, I'm a funny guy, I'm like to my granny, stop greeting, you're embarrassing me. But again, I, I knew it was an emotional time for her. I, I mean, I'd stopped greeting, I'd sort of like pull myself together. I was like, right, I've just been diagnosed with cancer. I didn't really know what to do. So what we'd done is we went up to my auntie Lisa, it's my granny's best pal. Basically, I call her my auntie. Um, and we went up there and we told her, she was greeting. My dad came along, he was he was greeting. It was a horrible day, like, really, really horrible day. <coughs>
when I was when I was fourteen, I was playing in the rope swings. Mm-hmm. You're getting diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. Eh? It's horrible. Like you're so upbeat about it. Definitely. You're so positive about it. Right. You're going to you're going to inspire a lot of people. Hopefully. Well, that, that's my goal. That's what I want to do. I want to. I, do, I don't even think some people will even... Some people it might fly over their head that it's even happened to you. Uh-huh. You know? Because uh-huh. you're so positive and upbeat. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and it's... Uh-huh. I was playing in a rope swing and I didn't even know what cancer really was. Uh-huh. Well, that's the thing. I didn't think what was when I... Sorry, when I got diagnosed, that to be honest, what I thought was is something that just killed you. Personally, that's I what I thought was. talking about, wasn't it? It was the I, big scary. Aye, it was the big C. Was a word you didn't want to hear. Big C, yeah, big that C. was it. Um, um, horrible, like. So you, you've been diagnosed. Aye. It takes a couple of weeks for that to 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 sort of kick in. Aye. To kick in. Well, to be honest, I'm not gonna let it kicked in right away. Oh, right, yeah, aye, yeah. Sorry, because yeah. because I got my biopsy like two days after. Do you want me to speak? Can I speak about that? Aye, aye, aye so, so it was on. So I got diagnosed on the twelfth of February. Well, I, I got diagnosed, but I didn't get properly diagnosed because I didn't know exactly uh-huh. what stage in that was. So on the fourteenth of February, I got my biopsy. Um, I think I'd been to theatre before because I I'd had an endoscopy, which is when you get the throat doing your yeah doing your hanging and up your the hanging the back end. <laughs> 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 so. The night before, I couldn't eat anything. I was fasting. I love my strand. You can tell. <laughs> I lo- love my food. So love that meat, don't worry. I, um, so, I saw. I was fasting that the night before. I was starving in the morning. I think I got taken like later on in the night. I think. So, I went for a biopsy, and basically, a surgeon came to see me before, as they always do if you're going for any procedure. Yeah. Yep. And then he, he he marked. I think is that where my scar is? Can you see it? Can. Yep. Um, that's a scar there for the endoscopy. Mm-hmm. So basically, he put like a purple pen, kind of to mark where he was going to cut. And he said, I'm going to cut here, I'm going to take a wee bit of tissue of the cancer. And I was like, well, that's fine. So I went for the, the hangy when I woke up, uh, when I went to the theatre room, I was quite nervous in that. Because you came what it's like, it's like, we're on the sick kids, it's quite like an old fashioned building in that. Yeah. In Edinburgh, is, we've just moved to the new one actually, but the old one's quite old fashioned. And like the room was like freezing cold. And then you see like the white stuff, the anaesthetic. It's like white. It's like white. It looks like milk in the mm-hmm. syringes. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, "Right, we're going to put you to sleep in that. Can you find Wally?" Right. So. So we packed the ceiling with Wally on it. So you gave me a book in front of me, right? And she's like, "Can you find Wally?" And I found him right away. <laughs> well, that's not going to work. <laughs> so we had to do another one, and then I can remember just got to sleep. And then when I woke up, I was like, my, my neck was like really, really sore. Like I was in bits. Like, I, I couldn't even sit up. I was like, whoa. Um, so, I that was there. And I also got my bone marrow taken, which is, like, down there, kind of behind your hip to see if it was in my bone marrow. It wasn't in the bone marrow. Um, and I, when I woke up to the anaesthetic, I was quite emotional. I started greeting in that. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I'm not an emotional person. and um, But I've noticed that. See, when I get an anaesthetic, when I wake up, I'm always, like, quite emotional and, like, quite, like, sensitive in that. I think what it is. And then all I know, right, I, I know, exactly, that's it. That's all right. right. And then I, I, remember, um, I remember eating a bit of toast 
hospital toast in Edinburgh is the one by the way. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves a bit of hospital toast. Is it nice? I, I, I don't know what it is, maybe it's the butter or something they mm-hmm. use, but it is sensational. It's phenomenal, like. Class. Brilliant. So I had a bit of toast, cup of tea. Um, my dad came up to see me. Um, and then I think, I'm sure, I, I can't remember my doctor coming to see me that day. I think she kind of gave me the results a few weeks later. I think she did. Aye, I'm sure she did. So that was a biopsy. Um, aye, that was a biopsy. And what, what, so it's not a nice feelings. Mm-hmm. And when you wake up, you've got the pain and the real pain. You've got your first sense of, this is real. Aye. You know, because until that's you're kind of, in that hospital, aye. you don't get that sense. So you probably, when you woke up, hit you, you're like, oh Jesus, this is real. You know, and then you've started um, being emotional. But what I want to um, speak about is, mm-hmm. Couple of weeks later, you went into the hospital, mm-hmm. and um, what did what did they say? What what did they find in the biopsy? So they said it was stage two, Hodgkin's lymphoma, and she said to me that it was obviously it was serious. Obviously, it was stage one, stage two, three, four, and five. But because you were the cancer, was it, it was like slightly more dangerous because it was right above my lung and it was a tumor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I've got scan fo- I've got scan photos on my phone. I'll show you them after the, the podcast. Um, so basically, I had to get a few scans to just confirm exactly what it was. So when I went in, she basically told me the results. It was stage two Hodgkin's lymphoma. And she said I was going to need to go through intense chemotherapy. I remember it was intense. And it was going to be a four cycle round. Um, and I think, like in total, I had about 35 sessions of chemo. And I remember, being, I remember being in hospital one day for about eight hours. Not, maybe even longer. For like, nine, for like 10 in the morning to like eight, nine o'clock at night. And I can remember one day, like I, I stood outside, my legs were like jelly. My legs were honestly like jelly. No wonder, man. I know. So, so to confirm exactly where the cancer was in that, I had to get a few scans. I got an MRI done, a CT, probably got an ultrasound and all. <laughs> I can't remember if I got an ultrasound or not. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, and I had to go to Aberdeen for a scan. Why? No, so this, no, this is what I didn't understand, right? It's called a PET scan. So, and what I didn't understand is just one. So there's two. There's obviously a few hospitals in Edinburgh. There's, there's sick kids which is like up to and then right next to my house is the Royal Infirmary, which is like the adult hospital, a big massive one. Now see the Royal Infirmary, was a PET scan in the Royal Infirmary, but because I'm, but we made me go to Aberdeen. So, oh, it's brutal. It's brutal, eh? So I was going to Aberdeen, I think I went up with my dad and my granny, obviously. Um, it was good, like. Um, so we, we got on the train and that, um, we got there, done a wee bit of shopping, I like to go is shopping. Is that a wee holiday? Aye, aye, yeah. sorry, aye, it was only for a, for a day, a few hours, like, so, went to the Hugo Boss shop, went to the North Face shop, got a few bits and bobs, few pairs of shorts, North Face jacket, um, just to cheer me up, my granny was trying to cheer me up a wee bit, um, and then went to the hospital, right, so, we got a taxi in the hospital, the hospital's massive, by the way, it's huge, so, I get in the waiting room and that, she's like, alright, chum, and I'm thinking to myself, chum, pedigree chum, dogfood. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. And I'm like, chum. So I went on Google that, like, what does chum mean? And for people who stay up Aberdeen, Aberdonians, is that what we get called? I don't know. Chum means mate. Right. So if you say, all right, chum, it means all right, mate. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a girl, and I was like, all right, chum. <laughs> so we've learned chum means mate. Mate. And shan <laughs> means bad. Bad, aye. So, aye. Ooh. <laughs> 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 goes in the hospital on that, and to get the scan done, was like certain like things you need to do. So basically, we need to get a candle on your your arm or your your wrist, your hand, or whatever, and they need to put radiation in you, in your body, 
I was like, radiation? I was like, what? So why do I need to get radiation? So they put radiation in my, in my body. Mm-hmm. Basically, so like, can it, it goes up on the scan. Mm-hmm. And also, I had to drink a can of Diet Coke. So, like, the tumour is, like, glued up. It was weird. You would never think you have to do oh. it, eh? And I went for my PET scan. It was, like, quite a big scanner and that. I just laid down. I think it took about 15 minutes. Just went in and out. Blah, blah, blah. Kind of big sounds yeah. of the MRIs and that, mate. Um, and then we said, you can, we'll send your consultant your results. Wait, I, I went home that day and just, just chilled. Sort of. And then, another thing as well. Throughout the cancer as well, I also got my central line put in, which is a Hickman line. Um, I'll show you a photo after the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's basically like a big, it's like a tube they put in through your neck, um, and then it basically sits above your heart. Mm. And what they can do is they can take blood fat, they can give you medication through it, antibiotics, chemotherapy. I did, I get all my chemotherapy through it, and it sa- basically it saved them putting a cannula in my vein every single day, right. and I had that in. But it was like a big loop hanging from my my chest. Okay. I was a bit paranoid about it, to be honest, but after after I go in, I was like, all right, sorry, we'll, we'll get on with it. It's only a minor issue. It's very abnormal, isn't it? It's just yeah. not the normal I, thing for another yeah, thing, you know. Yeah, for, yeah, for, even even, for, even for somebody's body, just to have a big dangling. You know? <laughs> it's just not, the, it's just not <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's horrible. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's Candy horrible. playing rope swings are that, man. You rip right. it right out. Yeah. But you know what my granny so? was paranoid. She was like, Brandon, you can't sleep on your belly. You have to sleep on your back. What if it yanks out? <laughs> <laughs> a nightmare, you're like, I guess, have me. Um, so, who really, so, you're obviously not going to be in the best headspace, you're going to try mm-hmm. and be positive and, and, and remain positive, but mm-hmm. you're going to be worried, you know? Mm-hmm. Who, who are your friends and that, who, who really lifted you up and did, 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 do you know how normally when someone's ill, loads of people change towards them? Aye. And treat you like you're a like you're a strawberry cushion. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you're a you know like you're a big pink fluffy cushion. Definitely. Like oh you maybe know that. Mm-hmm. Do you think did people change towards you? And and how did you deal with that? Definitely. And if I'm gonna be honest, yeah, a lot of people changed. Now one of, one of my best pals, his name's Lennon. He was always there for me. I used to go up to his house and that. You know, if I ever needed to speak to him, he would always be there for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm quite like obviously his mum and dad and that. They were always like on the phone and off. If I ever needed a hand or that. Yeah. Um, but people did start changing, they were like a lot more nicer to me and that. And just in general, can, like, some people I've never spoke to were like, can like try to be like, oh, how are you and that? And obviously, I like that, that's nice and that, but a lot of people did change. And I didn't really like that, to be honest. Like, did you ever have to go, keep them up? Aye, a wee bit, aye, I was like, aye, just... I'm a human being. Because it can demean a lot of people, can it? And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you're just a normal human being, you just go through this and that's you don't... It. And I see it all the time online as well. People right. just kind of almost singling people out, like disabled pe- people with disabilities or, or people ill. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's almost like a fakeness Aye. sometimes. I, I'm no, just wondering how you I, dealt with that. 100%. There was a fakeness. And you know, there was even people my age that were like, oh, Brandon, I'm so sorry. And sometimes I feel like seeing it, I'm like, just butt out. Can like no 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 bad way, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Just like chill out. Like this is didn't try and change on me now just because I'm chill, on you, you, you you used to bully me. You didn't talk to me before. Aye, you know what I mean. Don't, you know now you're buying Aye. me sausage rolls and milkshakes. Aye. Not. Aye. No, like you know, I was just I wanted to say it, but I didn't want to be horrible. But I was just, no no. Aye. I just thought, I'm just wondering how Aye. you deal with that because a lot of people kind of go into their own, don't they? They kind of come within themselves. But to be honest, I didn't really notice that. It was really like when I got in remission, I noticed that. That people started changing and that, and do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, I, I noticed that after. How did you keep yourself from losing who you were? 
But you see when people do change towards that and they're constantly mm-hmm. gentle with you, you can almost Aye. start feeling like a not a victim, but just mm-hmm. feeling like like all you stand for is cancer Aye. and 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 you're you you're you're not you anymore, you're nothing Aye. else anymore except for that ill person Aye. when really you're just you Aye. fighting it. It was hard because basically right, there was two sides to me. Right? There was a positive side. Now it was like Every person I saw were like, oh my God, Brandon, I'm so sorry. You've got to get through this and that. And then I was like thinking to myself, I didn't want people to feel shame for me because I'm all right. Like, I'm positive. I, I don't think I'm going to die of it. I'm not going to get through this because I'm a strong guy. And it was hard to deal with that, to be honest. Like everybody coming up to you, you've got to be all right, Brandon. I, I, I found that quite hard, to be honest, that everybody was kind of like always like trying to like say, oh, you've got to be all right in that. It was hard to play that character. Always, to be honest, it was draining. It was draining having people coming up to you all the time, kind of like telling you the same thing. But you heard yesterday, and sometimes you got to be like, just chill out. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's why I asked you that. You know what? Must almost like Aye. you must have heard the same words, Aye. the same phrase, Aye. or the same like opening sentence. Mm-hmm. Oh, Brian, I'm so sorry. Uh, it's, it's nappy like, and you know, it's just people try to be nice. But sometimes you just need to need to let people know, like, chill out. I've heard I've heard enough of this the past <laughs> two months. No, but it's true, eh? <laughs> um, um, you know, when you you are that kind of guy where. That would have stressed you out because I'm, I'm not, I see how motivated and how positive you are, Aye. and you're almost reminded of it all the time. Then, aren't Aye. you? But then you've got a habit, you've got a medium where some Aye. people might thrive off that, you Aye. know. And then some people, and, and if they didn't come up to Aye. you, you'd maybe feel like, why are they not coming up to me, man? You know Aye. what I mean? I'm going through this, here and they're not Aye. coming up, seeing it. And I mean, you know, like even even during the cancer, that you know, it was a lot of happy times as well. Like I, I met, I've met a lot of famous people. I met Rod Stewart. Wow. Celtic Park. I never actually like shook his hand about it. I, I say it to him. Met met John Hartson. He followed me on Twitter. Big Johnny boy. Uh, Big John, I love him. He's a good guy. He's Big a good, John. He's a good inspiration. Hey, he's a good inspiration. Um, I met him at a Celtic evening one day. Mm-hmm. Followed me on Twitter, tweeted me on Twitter as well. Um, and there was just charity as well. No, it was different charity. It was just a charity called Clasp. Yeah. And the, he, Bill used to pick me up. His name was Bill. He, he, he's like the founder of the charity. He used to pick me up wow. if I was getting chemo. Take me with sick kids, you know. I'll always be grateful for that because wow. it's somebody helping me. And another guy as well, his name's Les Hoy, MBE Dreammaker Foundation. Mm-hmm. That's his charity name. Um, he, he used to give me a lot of things. He, he gave me tickets for the double treble Celtic Cup final. Yeah, let's, not talk, let's not talk about that. <laughs> Aye, okay, keep going. <laughs> um, I he, he gave me tickets to go and see Beyonce as well. I, 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 like, I like Beyonce at the time, yeah, right? Yeah, like Beyonce's good a good Beyonce, singer, man. right? Got a good voice in that. So we're in a skybox, four course meal. My granny had her own bartender. She, she was he was she was having a few She's drinks. Steaming. Aye, she was. Aye. She? she was. Aye. She was on the Budweiser. Was she getting her snake caps come out, man? <laughs> Little Beyonce moves. <laughs> um, so he gave me tickets for that. Is um, Ken Tran- Ken the Transmit Festival? Yes. Gave me tickets for that That's twice. Cool, gave me tickets for that twice. Guy. You know, he gave me a lot. He's, Les is a good guy. I'll, I'll take my hat off to Les. He's a great guy. I always have a good relationship with him as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Shout out to Les then, what's his uh, name? Uh, Les Hoy. Les Hoy, and he's uh, the founder of? Uh, the Dream Maker Foundation. And he's got his daughters as well, because he run the charity, I think. Yeah, uh, charity, I'll pin that on the description, guys. Yeah. Go and check out Les Hoy's charity, the Dream Makers. Dream Maker Foundation, yeah. Dream Maker Foundation. Right. Les is a good guy, I love Les. Good. Got a good relationship with him. Yeah, of course. They're buds now, man. Right. Top buds. And that's what I'm saying, because some... Some people, when they're modicoddled and stuff like that, when they're ill, can lose their sense and, and lose their independence. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And then really fall into that dark hole of Aye. of just existing. 
no way to see you doing that. You were nah. just no. Well, you know, like it's hard because you know mental health is such an important thing, right? It's a big thing nowadays, and during that, like my mental health wasn't that bad. You know, I was all right, but it was after it when it took a sort of took a toll. Um, aye, after that, I sort of took a toll, and when I was getting chemo and that as well, like I can remember the first day I came in, I was like about to get stuck in my chemo. Mm-hmm. My, my doctor Leslie, she was going through like, kind of, I got six different types of chemos, right? And I'm not lying, there's about a hundred side effects between all of them. But, like honestly, for every single chemo, right, there was a sheet of paper, and it had less likely, likely, and rare, or da- kind of rare, yeah. dangerous. And chemo, I don't know, I find mental or not. One of the chemos I was getting, the rare side effect, was leukemia. So, a treatment that cures cancer can actually give you another cancer. But honestly, there's so many side effects, and obviously the biggest one is the tiredness. I don't read them anymore, Aye. because, you know, I take a lot of medicines as well Aye. for now, mm-hmm. um, and I just don't read them anymore. Aye. I read them and I'm freaking myself out. Aye. Like, can give you this, heart attacks and all mm-hmm. that. I'm only 30, but, you know, I'm... Mm-hmm. I'm close to 50, that could maybe happen, and I start, you know what I mean, I start giving right. myself reasons not to take these medicines, man, <laughs> Matt can give you, right, okay, nah, nah maybe, um, you know, I've got a bit of black African in me, right, okay, Aye. nah, nah, that's heart disease, and I fight not, and then I'm not taking them anymore, but now I just don't read them, man, just Aye. pop them, but Aye. that's probably not the best thing to do, Aye. but yeah, because you, you, you talk about the rear, Side effect. Aye. You would have been reading them because the real side effect of the first law <laughs> gave you body cancer. That's it. I mean, Do you know what I mean? Aye. I mean, to be honest, I wasn't. I didn't really think about side effects, but the biggest side effects, obviously, kind of tiredness. And I was off school the whole the whole period. I know I didn't. I think about it in one day, and I'm just. Didn't How long were you off for? Well, I got diagnosed in February, and I went into remission in July, so a good few months. Mm. Um, but obviously when I, when I started P7 the support on that was brilliant at the school and I actually done this thing for my mental health it was called Place to Be uh-huh. for young people's mental health and basically you go there for one one hour like two hours a week or something mm-hmm. and there would be like a specialist basically she's like mental health specialist to speak to her about kind of see what you're going to speak about and, and she actually helped me with my book in that I'm in the middle of writing a book guys um, and that's why I wanted to come on the podcast as well because the book's got to take me longer today and the podcast are becoming more popular and popular. And po- mm-hmm. this, po- this podcast already popular because it's the best. Um, it is. Top mental health podcast it. in Scotland. So, um, I saw the book will be coming out hopefully in the next few years. So, she helped me with my book in that. Um, aye. So. The book. The book. You're becoming an author. Jack of all trades now. Right. You know, I see a bright future for you. Do you want to talk about the book? Do you want to let people know what's happening or you want to keep it secret? I'll talk about it. I'll okay, talk about it. So basically, um, the book is about me, basically what I'm doing in the podcast. Obviously, it'll be in a lot more detail. Every single bit it'll be detailed. Yeah. This is just a, an hour and a half, do you know what I mean? Um, so basically, aye, the book's got to be about my Crohn's, the cancer, and I do a lot of charity work as well. And I worked I worked in a kitchen as well, so I'll mention that in the book as well near the end. Mm-hmm. I'll mention that in the podcast as well. But um, aye, the books, the books mostly. I want it mostly to be about my cancer journey, and to let people know that there's light at the end of the tunnel, and to always think positive. That's what's about. I want to inspire people. I want, I want people to know that there's always help in that there from as well. I mean, I'm always open. I want to become a influence as an influencer. Yeah, mental health influencer. I want to be speakers for cancer yep. and raise awareness for cancer, Crohn's, all stuff like that. Mental health. I want to inspire people and just help them. 
That's what I would do. You'd be a great speaker. <laughs> Definitely. So you would. <laughs> what would you say to anyone who has just been diagnosed with a life-threatening illness? Now, again, that's a hard one because it definitely depends on their self as a person. But if I was going to give them any sort of guidance, shall I say, mm-hmm. um, I, w- I would probably say to them, but just to, obviously, I know it could be a really hard time for them, but to try and stay calm. And I know that's a hard thing to do because not many people can do that when they're in the hospital all day and that. But just to try and stay calm and just didn't let it get you doing too much. Because I think that when you get doing too much and when you get in a dark place, it's, it can be hard to get back out of it. So I think just try and stay positive and have the right people about you in the right mindset. That's, that's what I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I t- totally understand that. Be calm because when we do get into that heightened, mm-hmm. um, heightened level of stress and... Uh-huh and anxiety and all that, that can bring things on, fa- I believe it can bring things on faster. Yep. And um, that constant stress on you. Um, it, can, it, can take toll. it can take toll. It can take toll, especially when you're in that high pressure situation where it's, it's life or death, let's not, this, this is no uh, and you And you know you need to go to the hospital every day because if you didn't, you're, it can be severe consequences. Possibly going to die. Uh, exactly, it's, it's a scary thought. I can't even imagine being 14 year old and, and, be, and the dog, and, because you read and, and you you go on the internet yep. and you ask friends and you know what schools like people say to you oh you might die you're gonna mm-hmm. die you know what I mean all that kind of stuff and you and I'd be shitting myself man I know um, I definitely <laughs> so how much do you think your mindset and attitude through that time gets you through your day to day battle with the disease right, well I mean I don't know to be honest it's just it's just the people about me who are kind of driving me to that. Like the nurses in the ward, big shout out to them. Absolutely amazing people. If, you know, anything I wanted, it was a packet of crisps, if it was <laughs> a bar of chocolate or a, or a drink of water or just anything, they would always be there for you. They would always do something for you. If you need to talk to them for half an hour or two hours, they would come, off, they would come and do it. That, so a big shout out to the nurses. That was sort of what got me through it. And now that I've almost, I'm in remission for the cancer and that, it's gave me a bigger look, a, a bigger look on life. I want to do a lot more with myself because I've survived cancer. I've been given a second chance, and I want to I want to do something with myself. Stay humble. Good, good words, sir. You've been given a second chance, mm-hmm. and you just want you seem. You're fourteen, <laughs> right? When are you fifteen? Uh, next year. I just turned fourteen in February. Your friends will be watching this. Aye. Is Brandon always like a twenty-eight-year-old? <laughs> That's it. And that's the only, you that's, got the brain of a, 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 and the, the mindset of someone who's much beyond your I, age. I, I, and you, you, you want to give back, basically, is what you're saying. I, that's at it. age 14, you I, know what I mean? You that's should it. Be, and, 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 you know, in my mind, I think it's amazing. What I'm going to say is never forget I, to, to, to live, uh-huh. live these teenage years, though. I, you know, go mm-hmm. out and... Do what you want to mm-hmm. do. You want to go on holidays, go on holidays. Aye. Go out, have a laugh with your pals. Definitely. Everything you want to do. Don't give uh-huh. 100% of your time to changing the world. Because you no, need of course to, not. You, you need, need to take time to. for yourself. You need Bold to. Bold on it. You need That's to. It. But I know Aye. you're a million miles per hour and you will Aye. just... I will. You will just go for it. Aye. Um, so... You want to give back, change the world, help Aye. people. So that's just, that's the thing. Because after the cancer and that, nowadays like, I'll help anybody. Do you know what I mean? Like, I deal with charity work. Help all the old people. A lot of people who are vulnerable and people who didn't have much who live in poverty 
Um, so yeah, I, I, let's talk about the charity work. Aye, that's fine. So basically, right, it's a bit of you going to explain because it's my community centre, right? Mm-hmm. So I stay in Inch, and then up the road, about fifteen minute walk, was a place called Morden. Yep. And there's six high rise flats. It's it's, a, it's poverty struck in. There's a lot of poverty in the area. Um, one in five people live in poverty in that area. And in, in, in the southeast of Edinburgh, I think it is, I. It's a lot. And because you're locked in, it's actually reduced to one and two. So, so my community centre was up there. And before lockdown, just before lockdown in March last year, I went to, um, I went to Edinburgh City Chambers and there was loads of councillors and MPs and that. And I went and spoke, basically protesting for funding. I went up about 50 of my pals. You all stayed off school and went up. I was actually wow. at my desk talking and that. That's not a good talking. I'm not, I'm not nervous about anything <laughs> like that. Um, so we, we all went up and spoke. We all, like me, my best pal Lennon, Miska, Hamid, and um, Steph, I think they all spoke. Mm-hmm. And we were basically protesting for funding because basically what happens, right, is the government gives our council money, right? Uh-huh. And it's, basically you could just see a big pot of funding, right? And it'll get split between different areas. But our area only gets like, like, 15% or something, and the other area is, for instance, like, so, for instance, can I name them, is that right? Aye. Oh, yeah. so, like, so, like, Leaf, Pilton, Granton, they all get, like, they get, like, 80% of the funding, and then areas like our areas only get, like, 15% of the funding. Yeah. So, at the, at the deputation, it was a deputation, I was like, well, if you generally gain us 15% of the funding, for one, it's not fair, and a lot of people for the areas where I'm for Inch, Morden, Gilmerton, they always, like, fall into crime, for instance, like my dad, because there's no resources there, to get, to get young people off the streets. And there's a lot of violence and that, so... And I was like, I was, I was saying to him, if you put the effort and give us the money to get supplies and resources, then maybe it'll actually make it a better place. Um, so I've done that, and the funding got rejected. And I've done, I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's it's just a minor setback. We'll, yeah. we'll still go. Um, so, we're going to lockdown and that, and basically for three weeks, John, which is like the, the guy who like owned, who's like the manager of Good Trees, he's like the boss, mm-hmm. and his team were got to go every day and deliver five uh, packed lunches mm-hmm. to the old people. And that it was only meant to last for three weeks. It lasted for six months. The whole oh, lockdown. Yeah. Um, so I'd say about April May time, we all we were all there helping. We had masks on. We had the PPE. You know what I mean? It was we, we were up at the Tron Kirk and the whole place was just full of food. So every day we would go in the cars deliver deliver five hundred packed lunches. The elderly and the vulnerable and the people who were shielding, five hundred pack lunches, in the afternoon food bags, sirenians meals, hot meals, just put in the microwave. Amazing. Every single day, um, we done that. And I tell you what, what a team, what a team we had. Like I did the day every day because I done all our stuff as well. But I, I know some people who stuck with every single day. I take my hat off to them. Great guys. Incredible to be fair, isn't it? Aye. Um, one little, one little good deed. Aye. And, and, and a little thought for the others can turn into a huge movement mm. these days. It's phenomenal. And, and 15%. That's ridiculous. It's minging. It's minging. It's horrible. It needs to be sorted out. Aye, but that's saying it'll, it'll never be sorted out because. Hopefully, someone watches this. And mm-hmm. We've got a very, you know, there's about 10 to 11,000 downloads of the episode on this Aye. on iTunes and Spotify. Hopefully, someone's on this that can Aye. make a bit of change for you. So maybe Hopefully. get behind you or front you. Because. Well, that's a good thing. The good thing about going with deputation, right, is it's actually made a lot of other kind of like places years funded. So because of that, we've actually had a lot more funding for other places. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my pals as well, who were all helping in that, they 
they raised, I can't remember how much it was, I think it was like 20 odd grand. Wow. We went a 50 mile cycle. Now I'd done, I'd done my own fundraiser, I'd already started it before they started theirs, but mm-hmm. I was only going to walk 15 mile, it was like from mine to like Port Seating or something, it was like 50, yep. a 15 mile walk, we raised a thousand pound. And then he's like 20 grand, but we've we we done it all together, so, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's good to give back to the community, but it, it's shocking about the funding and that. Like, it's just, it's, it's minging. It's horrible. My stepdad grew up, as I, I said, mm-hmm. um, in Edinburgh, in really bad poverty. Nidri, isn't it? I, my granny's from Nidri as well. Um, and I, so just... These places haven't changed, then they're just. No, that's it. But it's just, and that's what I say to the council. The question is, why? Why do you not care about us? Why do you leave us out? That's that's a question that needs to be asked. And surely, if you were in government, you would. If you saw somebody like me speaking on the podcast right now, you would really think to yourself, "What are we doing wrong?" Eh. Well, let's not get into politics. Uh, I hate <laughs> politics, man. But I just I hate getting in here too much. Mm-hmm. Too too many barriers. Definitely. Too much, too much politics. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so, going back to your your situation that you're in the hospital getting chemo mm-hmm. every day, um, was there anything about the situation that was surprising in a negative or positive way? I definitely, I definitely. So, um, basically, my first day getting chemo, I was like, right, if you get scared on that, can and. I'd be on Google and, and this is actually a true fact. You can't like the stuff that's in the chemotherapy. Can they put mm-hmm. that kind of stuff in nuclear bombs and that? Mm-hmm. that and I was like, what? That's going to my body. <laughs> so I was like, what? So um, aye, so I, I got my first round of chemo. Um, so basically what would happen is we'd get five days a week. The top side was the one I got Monday to Friday and then I think it was a week off and then a week back on. So the top side was like Monday to Friday. The Dakaraz had been, I think, that was like an orange colour. And I go back, that was that was like a seven hour chemo to go through my central line. And you can like when I when I done a pee, it was um, it was orange. Because wow. the chemo was orange and my pee was orange. It was mental. Like and then Vin Christine, that was just in a big huge syringe. I only got that once every two weeks. So it was a horrible experience and chemotherapy is a horrible thing. I wouldn't even wish it on anybody. And another thing as well, I never knew is obviously cancer makes you really ill, but the kind of chemo that probably makes you even more ill than the cancer, that's the horrible thing about it. Mm-hmm. But you've got to go through that to get chemo better. It really puts your immune system to to, to really ill, to alerting rebels. Um, and then you can die of other things. Aye, and that's what, what I, mean? I was scared about. I, I was like, what if I catch a flu and I take yeah. it a, a bad? Pneumonia or something, Aye. you know? But um, and another thing about the chemo as well, I was like really, really tired. And I remember one day, like, I'm going to use the nurse's example because it was a really good way to explain it, right? But basically, what she said is um, that if you've got a million, do- if you're lying in your bed, right, and you've got a million dollars on the floor, you've only got uh, enough energy to like bend down and pick up a few notes, and that's you. That's how tired I was. That's a perfect example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you could just roll over and fall in it. I just fall in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only. I've made it. <laughs> Happily, just go now, right? As me. Um, no, because. Did do you become like a family? Like, do you Aye. is was there was there any really positive uh-huh. moments through um, really positive moments Aye. through the chemo or anything like that? I know that's I, to people may watching they might be like, oh no, he's going through chemo. But was Aye. there any really good times? I definitely there was positive moments. Like for instance, like my granny said to me, like coming here, 
it's like in in war two, which is a cancer ward in the sick kids. It's like a it's like a big family because mm. you're in there for so many hours a day. You speak to each other and you just get to know each other. The nurses of your family, the people of your family. <laughs> so that was a good positive about it. There was always like people there, and it was good to know that people were going through the same experience as you. Mm-hmm. So you're burning on your own. That, that that's that was a positive for me. Did you make any lifelong friends in there? Um, no, really. To be honest, I speak to a, a couple of people. A couple of why? Because any of the nurses, uh, I still speak to a couple of the nurses. I one of them I did me on Facebook. So class. <laughs> did any people that were in? So when you're in there, mm-hmm. did you get close to any of the um, other patients? No, really. To be honest, and because see, to be honest, this is what I think all about was mostly younger bands. There was only like a few people my age, and I think they were older, like sixteen. And obviously, because people were getting chemo's in different days, it, there wasn't really anybody my age here. It was all like younger. Younger kids, that's what I feel horrible about. Having to watch a, a three year old getting chemotherapy, it's no nice. It's a big eye opener. Were there people dying around you? I think I, I think I think a couple of people died when I was kind of like in the hospital. Yeah. And to be honest, see when you're getting chemo, the way I like to explain it is you just deteriorate. You just go frail and you just go ill. So sort of like that. You can tell if somebody's oh, yeah, and that's the horrible thing about because your hair just because I shaved my hair before I actually got my chemo because I'd been wanting a baldy for ages anyway. So I wasn't even bothered with losing my hair, but um, I can that could be a big insecurity for people on that. I would hate if I lost my hair. I <laughs> 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 um, so again, it took me three years to go my, my, grow my hair back. Right. I've just grew it back about five months ago. Took me about two and a half years. It's looking good. It's looking swift. Nice, eh? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so. <laughs> It's just, you know, I've got so much going through my head. With a, I'm trying to put myself in your mm-hmm. shoes. That's what I normally do with guests, and I just Aye. can't. Uh-huh. I can't even fathom or imagine what you were going through. Aye. Honestly, it must have been so scary. And Aye. as your grand says, mm-hmm. um, you, you just took it so well. Aye, not, a, not a phase. Nah. No fear. No fear at brave, all. Brave, cheering everyone else up. That's it. As you, you're just larger than life, man. That's that's it's, what that's just the way I always thought. You know, just be positive and just don't let it good. Don't let it get you done. Sorry, don't let yourself go in that dark place. Stay up. Was there any really really dark days? I I'd, I'd say so. Like I mean, one thing that never really happened is I never ever cried of that because I'm not an emotional person. So there was never a time where I felt oh I'm going to greet and I had to be solved to myself. You know, I wasn't like that so positive but there was days in the hospital where I was in there I feel like about 11, 11 o'clock in the morning to like 9 o'clock at night and in the shit kids the buildings at all there's no wi-fi that works mm-hmm. phones don't work in the next watch 360 they like to play that and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're a playstation man <laughs> yeah, i'm an xbox one man right. i'm an xbox fan no but it's just a 360 because there wasn't good games on it so right. um so it was like you just have to like talk to people on that kind of to get through the day so it was boring then like during the summer and that I felt shy on my granny because it was it was about 20, 21 degrees outside, and the, the the sick kids is right next to kind of like a big field. It's called the meadows. Mm-hmm. I was like, to, if you want to go, out, you can go. Out. I didn't want you sitting here all day with me. Just go. Out. Can it's fine to go. Out. You can go and enjoy yourself. It's a nice day in that. And then it was horrible. Can it just sitting in there all day when you know it's sunny, but you're having to get this medicine put in you and that. Because mm-hmm. days like that where I felt a bit shit. Yeah, hot and sweaty. Aye, it's just and sitting in and just knowing you kind of go with your pals. See when you're. Having the chemo, are you in a lot of pain? Nah. So you were alright? Aye, but 
this is from my experience. I don't know if other chemos can like hurt you or that, but mine's didn't. It was just through the, through a central line. Were you feeling crap? Like, are you feeling like literally on death's door? I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that, but I mean, I did feel horrible. Like it just felt minging one day, and like I said, I know, like one day I left the hospital, my legs were like jelly because mm-hmm. I've been, probably been sitting down for that long in the hospital. Eight, eight week, eight, eight weeks, <laughs> eight hours. Sorry, mm-hmm. eight hours just getting straight chemo and just getting up to go and get a kind of like if I was going to the toilet or something, or mm-hmm. just sitting down eating. And sorry, um, during it, like all the time as well, when I was on my chemo, you have to stay on like so many tablets, kind of like, to keep you up and all. Like, you have mm-hmm. to stay on steroids, anti sickness. Um, I think I had antibiotics a few times. You have to stay on that to keep your body gone because yeah. you're getting the chemo. So you have to, and I put on all the weight with steroids as well. You always have a wee scram. We <laughs> 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 like our food, man. So we do. Um, us motivational boys like mm. our food. You know what I mean? Why? Um, was there ever a day or a time mm-hmm. that you thought you wouldn't pull through? To be honest, not. There wasn't it. Never, in the, never really in the back of my head that I ever thought that. Never. Never once. It was after it when I thought that, when I was in remission. So, yeah, your gran um, said that there was times she didn't think you were going to pull through. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's it, it just shows your mindset, you know, Aye. just where you were. That's it. It's incredible. Definitely. Um, <laughs> and it must have been really scary for your gran. Your gran's Aye. put her whole life into you. Uh, you I felt, she I must did. be so proud of you. Aye, definitely. Um, it's just it's, it's a great bond. You've got a great relationship, Definitely. and um, it's, it's, I can't. I've got a wee boy now, mm-hmm. and I just don't know what it'd be like if he was diagnosed with mm-hmm. cancer at eleven year old. I don't Aye. know. That would ruin me, and it's not even me going through it. I, I just, know. Can only imagine what your grand's been through. You hold her tight. Aye, definitely. Um, <laughs> you love it to pieces. Aye, definitely, of course. Basically, aye, she's like my mum, my wee mum. Yeah, of course. Like, basically, aye. Yep, she's done the, she's done the mum, dad, and and everything, and everything, and else. Aye. Um, so as I said about your maturity, right? Mm-hmm. Maturity levels, as everyone else can see. Uh-huh. Do you think that? Having the cancer mm-hmm. and the Crohn's and what you've went through has gave you that level of maturity that you don't see in any of your friends oh, or anyone your age. A hundred percent, and that's the only thing that I didn't like. That I didn't like about having the cancer and the Crohn's because I was so young. Like she was like, when you go through that and you're at hospitals and that every day, mm. you kind of just act like a wee ten year old. You know what I mean? You have to sort of step up and be a. I don't want to say be a man. But when you've got cancer, you do need to sort of step up. If, if you've got a mindset, you need to step up and be a man. And that's the only thing that I didn't like. Is I or grew step up, up and be I, an adult. Aye, I, I sort of grew up too quickly because of that. But, I mean, it's, it's a good thing. Benefited of it. Do, do you feel that... Do you do you hang out with any older people now and stuff like that? Or still got the same group of friends? Aye, I still got the same but group of friends. You're just the, the more mature one. Aye, but like, I've got like, some pals who are like 15, 16. So, aye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does it give you a fresh outlook on life? Like, because you know more than anyone how fragile yeah. life is now. Aye. Does it give you that different way of thinking about things that, like, maybe, does it ever hold you back on, like, 
Uh-huh. I know how fragile life is, so I'm not going to take the chance to do that. I de- I or definitely like, cause I like that's I definitely because like some of my pals, cause we just think I de- I definitely so some of my pals only like didn't think like that, and obviously I do, and I try and say to them like just be watch what you're doing and that, and you'll be evaluating it much I more. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the dad did a group. Like, no, no, no. Life's maybe more fragile than yank boys. Right. Don't be roly polying off that roof. Mm. You know what I mean? Just, no. I'm not I'm no climbing up that roof. Hype. Don't be, don't be smashing <laughs> them windies. Uh, um, so, you're a survivor. That's it. Life is a survivor. Um, how do I put this? It's taught you loads. And taught you about yourself. Right, 100%. Taught you how strong you are. Um, taught you to, you know, if you can beat cancer, you can beat, beat anything. Man, you know what I mean? Right. You it. really, you can kick the arse out of anything now. Right. You know, you're unstoppable force right. now, you know. 100%. That's what um, is. You definitely come across that way. Right. So, life as a survivor, what does it, what does it hold for you? What's, what's, I know you've started a wee business in um, selling meals. Aye, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, that's... Can't believe you didn't bring me one today. I know. Well, I'm actually pretty raging. Aye, well, I was going to bring you a fellow cheese steak, but I didn't. You should have. I'm ribeye. I know I should have. Sorry, but I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll meet each other again. So um, if we meet each other again, you better have a fellow cheese steak. I definitely do. Well, I'll tell you what we're doing camera. So what I've got is I've got a ribeye, Aberdeen Angus ribeye, fellow cheese steak. Mm. Perfect. <laughs> my stomach's rumbling, man. I didn't have a chance to have my second meal. You're throwing this at me. Um, yeah, and I, I, I've read the comments in your. You've start, you started a wee Instagram page. What's uh-huh. it called? Uh, B Don's Grab and Go. B, that's his nickname. nickname B Don. B Don. B Don's Grab and Go. Um, follow it on Instagram, and people are loving it. I definitely. You sold what thirty or twenty one. Philly steaks in one day or something? Well, before I, before I say it, I, I actually had to stop it because I'm back to school and I was getting a bit too busy. But, don't worry, it'll be the same name when I'm 18, when I leave school. Probably, I think I'm going to leave in S5. I'll come back, I'll have my Amy Cafe, so just remember it, keep Instagram. Yeah. Um, but I, so on, on Give the, them the support. I definitely. Um, so on, on the second week of dinner, I sold 40 Philly cheese steaks and 21 meatball subs. And oh. the Philly cheese steaks are £10 each. Brilliant. Class, eh? Pocket money. <laughs> what did you spend Pocket the money, money on? Hey, I've got this jumper. <laughs> ah, I like it. Love machino. Ah, it's tight, um, eh? I like machino. That's nice. Um, Come on, Valentino, you know. Oh, I what see them. them. Don't worry, I right. see them. Um, what are the joggies? Eh, uh, Stone Island. Jesus, man. $1,000, man. <sighs> well. $1,000 and you're sitting next to like a... Um, <laughs> What's that wee machino? <laughs> I thought I had my wee, my wee machinos on. I'm doing all right today. I'm about probably a hundred quid. You're a thousand dollars. Thought I'd dress nice just to for the podcast. Good. I was I going like to wear jeans, but there you go. So, I so what's in the future for you? What what you want to be when you're older then? See, I've got so many different options. I'm good at a lot of things, and I've been told that. So I'm good at speaking for what's right mm-hmm. for inequalities. Mm-hmm. So I've been told to a lot of people in my school that I could be a politician. Mm-hmm. No, but I want to be a politician. Mm-hmm. Then do not want to be a politician, but um. <laughs> 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 um, but I definitely want to have a career in cooking. Oh. 
have a main me van or cafe or something. Is that a passion? It's a passion for cooking. That's my granny. I mean, I've got her in the kitchen helping me all the time. She's doing the dishes, I'm doing the cooking. Amazing. <laughs> um, aye, it's a passion for cooking. Obviously, I work with Dice New Prep, my big cousin Sam, who owns it. Yeah. So I learned a lot from him. And that's sort of what, I mean, I've always liked cooking, but even before I went and worked with Dice. But when I started working there, I learned a lot more about the kitchen and kind of like, yeah. how to like chop things properly and rules about the kitchen, temperatures, like how foods and that are cooked and hygiene stuff and that. So I've got a lot more into it because of that. Um, so definitely, I want, when I'm older, I want my wee van or a wee cafe or something. Um, and also, I would like to be a, a nurse. I wouldn't mind being a nurse. I wanted to be a doctor, but doctors are, it's a really, really hard job. And it's hard to be a doctor as well. You need to study medicine for like loads of years and... I just, long, I, it is too long. I've got, oh. I've got, I need to live a life. That's oh. it. So, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? To, my, one of my, my best pal at school, Dom, Dominic Ferguson, he's now a doctor. Aye. Seven years or something, mm. man. Sack that. Aye, well, I spoke to my consultant and Kenneth took her over 10 years. He'd be fully qualified. Yeah, all that pressure yeah. and for no thanks. People hate you anyway, man. Yeah, you it. know what I mean? People, people shout at you anyway. Aye. You know, you save someone. You didn't save them quick enough. Aye. I'm suing you. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's it's a uh, but no doc. What would we do without doctors? But nah, no for too long. Nurses, nurses are great. They're Aye. so happy. They, mm-hmm. they, I've been in hospital many times, as you know. Um, not quite for the severe things Aye. that you've been in for, but I've been in for five knee surgeries. I've mm-hmm. had all sorts of things done. Aye. And Stop nurses, nurses are some of my favourite people. They are Definitely. just amazing. What mm-hmm. they put through. The only thing is, they're not paid enough. I didn't. And and they're I just didn't. not treated well enough. To be no, honest, especially for the government, I mean, it's three pound a week rise in the wages—it's it's just ridiculous, shocking, eh? Hey guys, save everyone's life, man. What would we do about you? Save the NHS. Aye. Oh, save the NHS. Let's clap for the NHS. Here's one percent pay rise. Aye. Three pound a week. A meal deal. A meal deal at Tesco. What's that? Eh? Shocking. It's a disgrace. <laughs> it That's what it is. Aye. No, I can see you being like an activist mm-hmm. and um, a motivational speaker, speaking Definitely. for mental health, maybe. Cancer awareness, Aye. or you could bring that in your whole package. Aye, definitely, you could be a package. Aye, a lot of people have said be that. Done. Aye, be done. Be done. The be done. Be done. The speaker. <laughs> um, he aye, brings the positivity. Aye, a lot of people have said that, and to be honest, I think I'm going to carry it further because a lot of people are interested in my journey as well. I've shared it on social media a lot of times, and and that was the big thing about me. What I did the podcast as well was because there was people who know me. Who know the full story, like my, my close fam my close friends and my family. And there's people who know me who know half the story because they're so posted on Facebook. And there's people who know me who, who there's people who didn't know me who know none of the story. So the podcast and the books really just to tell them the full story. I want them to know the full package. Yeah. Right. Full story. Right. I also brand you. Mm-hmm. And um I mean it's not just your story, it's you as well. You're a likable guy. Hi. Um you speak so well <laughs> for a for a fourteen year old. Hi. Um, you're out there. You you look positively on everything, positive mindset on everything. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, don't don't forget it's all right to be emotional. No, you Definitely. say you're not an emotional person, but you're not an emotional person. But it's all right to have a weak eye sometimes. Definitely. It's all right to, it's all right to feel shitty sometimes. It I, really is. I know, definitely. And, and that's one thing I've learned, you know, along the way is if you do feel like that, then you just let it bottle up. You need to let it out because if you didn't let it out, it'll just eat away at you. So if you just let it out, you'll be fine. And then you let it eat away at you because that's when it can get, that's when it can damage you. And, you know, that's when it can get serious. Absolutely. So just let it out if you need to. 
<laughs> let it all out. I let it out the other day, <laughs> screeping my eyes out, man, raging with myself. I can't remember what it was, but I'd, I'd worrying about something, I'd done something I, wrong or whatever. Raging, had a big fat cry, man. I, just cried my eyes out. It was great. I, Absolutely great. See, now see, when I feel stressed or that, I just put a bit of music on and that's me chilled. I like a wee bit of music when I go to bed at night. You know, sometimes I put like calming yoga kind of music on. <laughs> I'll be snoozing away, man. It'd be great. So I like to put my earphones down. Um, there's some nice playlists for anxiety Aye. and stuff I like listening to. Aye. But what would you, so what would you say to someone who, to your age, mm-hmm. a lot of people your age are going to watch this, mm-hmm. especially from Edinburgh. De- uh, especially um, my pals. Are, yeah, uh, definitely. And there's a lot of people who who are around your age. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to anyone struggling to find their way in life? Well, I would just say to them, you know, just, I mean, it's hard to say keep positive because a lot of people kind of do that. So I'm not, I'm not even going to say that. But I'll just say that nowadays, obviously, mental health is becoming a bigger thing. And was a lot more resources for it, but I do believe there needs to be more resources for it. I don't think it was enough, mm-hmm. but I would I would just say like speak to people about it and just always know that there's got to be help there for you. Like you're, maybe it's, it doesn't need to be somebody specialist. It can be a doctor. It could be you. It could yeah. be anybody. Just somebody's out there wanting. To, could be you. Uh, exactly. I, I hopefully. I mean, I'm always open for anybody to come and ask me questions or if you need a hand. What about if they're feeling held back from? You said there's a lot of po- poverty from. Mm-hmm. Where you come from? Mm-hmm. Um, what about people who are feeling held back from, um, from where they come from? They feeling like where they come from holds them back, and they're not going to aspire to be anything because they I, come from a poor area. That's a hard one, but um, I, I mean, I would just, I would just think to myself, right? There's people in this area, I know, with a lot of poverty. Obviously, if you live in poverty, you've not got an easy start to life. For one, you know what I mean. There's so many different things going on, and but when at the same time. If you look at somebody who's a criminal, right, you just think to yourself, I, I want to be better than them. I want to do something with myself and I want to be better than them. I don't want to have a life like them. Just because I'm from this area, I want to do something. So I, I, would, I would say that. It's, 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 you raised a great point there that mm-hmm. from these areas, right, and the, and the areas where I've grown up and areas in Glasgow where I see mm-hmm. people growing up, um, being a criminal seems. In some people's mind, Aye. seems to be the best source of money. Mm-hmm. You know, they think, right, I'm not going to aspire to anything because I'm from this poor area. Um, I just but look at this guy; he's he's selling cocaine, he's earning mm-hmm. this, he's driving about an RS freeze and mm-hmm. and doing this and that. It then Aye. becomes lucrative for these young people. Aye. It becomes something like, right, okay, they're getting a Rolex at eighteen. Why Aye. don't I do that and earn more money than? Than and somebody who earns thirty grand a year, or then your your doctor graduates Aye. after seven years Aye. with up to fifty thousand pound debt, Aye. right? And then you'll not make anywhere near the money they're making mm-hmm. um, for a for a long time. Aye. So I think it's important to 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 tell people that that being a criminal or getting involved in that kind of stuff mm-hmm. brings with it the worst. The worst sense of guilt mm-hmm. um, it brings with it looking over your shoulder your whole life. Aye. It brings with it doing bad things to people. Aye. It brings with it maybe killing people along the way. If you're selling drugs and all that mm-hmm. to people, you could be, you're killing them. Aye. Absolutely. Yeah, you're, uh, no, aye, not even just killing them, you're just ruining their life. Yeah, no two ways about it. Aye. And you're maybe stopping them from freeing their son. Mm-hmm. 
i.e. what when you said your mum is, uh, is is into that, mm-hmm. um, and you're really you're putting society and a bad stench place. on society that we just don't need to know. Mm-hmm. They're wrecking many people's mental health. I, do you know what I mean? So what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say is, although it might seem lucrative, mm-hmm. people might be watching this now and wanting to go that way in life. Aye. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's demeaning. It's it's. There's no way I could go to my bed at night knowing I'm affecting people's lives in that way mm-hmm. um, by robbing or selling drugs right. or getting into bad stuff or stabbing people and all that stuff. What would what would you say to stay away from that? What what should you do? Should you should you just should you reach out more and talk about and try and talk to people or mm-hmm. ask people where there's more opportunities then? Where, what ways can I get out of I, this? It's a hard one. Because, like I mentioned earlier, like see, like in the areas in my, like, like where I stay, there's so much violence in that, and it's hard to like no get roped into that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If all your pals are doing it and you do want to be sitting in the house, yeah, you want to be going out doing it with them. Yeah. So it's hard to get roped into. You don't want to be lonely, do you? Aye, that's it. And, and, but another thing I know that's that's when the government and the council comes into play. Yeah. Because they need to be supporting areas like that, so people don't turn out like that. Mm-hmm. Because if they put the money. And to gain people resources, like community centres, and that gain them resources and get young people off the streets, and give them a bigger look at life, and give them resources, kind of for people like, like for instance, like the bloody fun, funding. Aye, aye the funding. But, but for instance, just say the, like the council gave a community centre funding, right, to get people in to speak to kids and that. Now just say me and you were partners, right, and me and you, they, yep. the government gave them funding. They paid me and you to go in and speak to the kids, and basically what we're saying now. Is I go and speak to my kids and tell them like not to go and do stuff like that and try and teach them a few lessons. Yeah. I think that would benefit them, but that's the government's. I think it plays a big part in the government and the council. See, the reason why I'm saying all this, right, mm-hmm. is because I've been speaking. To, I've been asked to speak to a lot of schools about this, and I yep. spoke to a few. You know, Easter House in Glasgow is quite a rough uh-huh. area, uh-huh. Um, similar to like Nidry and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've been speaking to schools and speaking to young kids, mm-hmm. and I get many, many emails from them now that. I've changed our thought process. I can actually go and achieve something now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop selling drugs. I'm going to stop doing this, doing that. Aye. And I'm thinking as well, it's all right me going and speaking to them, but why not you doing it as well? Aye. Someone their age who, who's who been through a lot in life, Aye. why not you going into the schools and speaking to your, your fellow classmates and saying, whether they, most of them listening or not, doesn't Aye. matter, but if we help 10 mm-hmm. out of 100, I don't see why we don't get Young inspirational Aye, people, definitely, to, to, who who can really relate to where they're Aye. from, to go in and say, "There's mm-hmm. a better path out of this madness." Aye. I mean, I mean, I've sort of like done that, but in a different way. Like, like for instance, my English class on a Tuesday, we just share, like the teacher can can like share whatever she wants, like obviously because it was like a rule of the work she needs to teach us. But on a Tuesday, we can do what we want. Basically, she'll she'll teach us something that she wants to teach us. Yep. And I said to them, "Can I teach them about like, my cancer story and that?" Mm-hmm. Made a big PowerPoint. I taught them about. It. You know what I'm like, right off at the front of the class, yeah. all right, troops. <laughs> <laughs> um, Beedos here. Aye. So, um, so I, I mean, I taught my English class about them, and um, I was thinking about speaking to my head teacher as well, Mr. Kelly, because mm-hmm. he's, in, like, he, he's quite involved in my story, he likes it, told him about the podcast and that, he's looking forward to seeing it. Um, so I was thinking about speaking to him, and after COVID and that, so hopefully soon, um, can like do like a big assembly and mm-hmm. maybe like try and get the whole school in there and just speak to all of them about it. Telling everybody my story and what we're speaking about now about mental health and all stuff like that, I think it'd be good 
yeah. for somebody with an age telling them it instead of an adult. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. I think that these are things that we need to maybe put in place. Mm-hmm. Mr. Kelly, if you're listening, I think it, it really <laughs> needs to be something like, it's all right me coming in, right. but I'm in, in, it's important to have speakers like me coming in, right. older, that have been through. It's important to have even elderly, mm-hmm. um, older people than me, than, than me coming in who have right. got all life experience. And then I think it's important to have people, young people the same age as, as their audience. Um, who are staying positive um, Mm -hmm. through all sorts of adversity and hardships and um, and I just think if we can create Mm -hmm. a group of people make it in Edinburgh um, where you're from if we create maybe five people who do Mm -hmm. go around schools maybe you get the day off now and again and you go around and you tell your story and you speak about Mm -hmm. staying out of trouble and mental health and stuff like that I think that could be a great thing. Definitely, I think my head teacher would be. I think he'd love it. I think he'll love that idea because he's right about that kind of stuff. Can like speaking about stuff and that. Yeah. So, Mr. Kelly, I'll speak to you about that when I see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> so, something I've not addressed. Yep. And I think it was a bit ignorant of me not to for people who are watching <laughs> this with the, the suffer with Crohn's. Mm-hmm. Um. You're right to talk about like, like. Um, like symptoms in that, I, I, what, I, how it affects you. Because I, I, I want to sort of raise awareness for Crohn's because it's a big thing. I was just thinking there when we were talking that I've not addressed I, it and it was maybe right. a bit ignorant of me. That's alright. Um, so I, um, I first got diagnosed with Crohn's 2017. For months on end I was having sore stomachs and it's like a, a crampy feeling. Minging. Horrible. Like kind of crampy. Right, okay. Um, like, like you're folded in your bed, like uh, sometimes. Um, I was getting like blood in kind of, like, my, my stools. Uh, um, and I noticed signs, like I noticed a lot of signs as well. Like I was really pale. Kind of, like, my, 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 I was anemic basically. Um, I was really pale, lost a lot of weight. I was really, really skinny. So my granny was taking me to the doctor some months kind of, to get like um, samples and a stool sample. And they, I kept coming back saying it was like a viral infection. And one day I went, and they referred me to like the sick kids, and then I met Doctor Gillett. I think it, I'm sure it was him who diagnosed me. And then later on, I got and like my, my doctor now is Doctor Wilson. Um, but basically, when I first got diagnosed, I can't remember. To be honest, I can't really remember when I like kind of what we exactly what we exactly said. But they were just like basically saying to me like it's kind of today with your stomach and stuff about your immune system or stuff like that. So I got an endoscopy, um, I can remember it, three days before you have to take these laxatives, right? Mm-hmm. These are like proper laxatives, mm. like kind of bowel laxatives. So I was in the toilet for about three days solid, man. Honestly, every ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly, they were bad. Shit, man. Right, honestly, like they were bad laxatives, like <laughs> proper ones. So it's a day, it's a day of endoscopy and that. I get it. Um, I get the endoscopy and basically what we did is put a camera, I got an endoscopy and a colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. So basically what we did is put a camera down your throat and right up, up your, the right, and up your back end. Um, and they take photos of your bowel, your intestines, mm-hmm. your large intestine, small intestine. Um, and then they show you the photos and they basically put on treatments for inflammation and that. So, so yours is just more inflammation. Aye, it's weird to explain. And I, I mean, I can, to be honest, I can eat what I want. 
mm-hmm. unless it's a flare up. Like if I have like if I went and ate a curry right now, I'd yeah. probably like be on the toilet. But like I wouldn't like be like a really really sale. I'm not at that mm-hmm. stage yet. But um, I so I got my endoscopy and that, and then Doctor Gullet showed me the photos. He pulled me in the room a bit. I'll just pull you photos of the like, information on that. And I've never really seen, like, saw photos like inside of somebody before. Because it's like it's like photos of your, your stomach and that. So he showed me the photos and I, I burst into tears. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never really been that emotional before. Do you know what I can't I was actually made emotional when I first got diagnosed with Crohn's and I was about cancer. <laughs> I find that quite mental. Wow. But um, it's just when he showed me the photos, it was like, it was kind of like, I'll try to explain, kind of like a slink. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like inside, kind of like your intestine, your bowel, and that. Mm-hmm. And it was like big, like red dots and like right. green dots, like inflammation. And I was like, whoa, like, what? How's that inside me? Got really emotional about it and that. Um, and then I went home and I, I was greeting the whole night. Couldn't believe it. Like, it was just such a big thing. It was like, whoa. I've got... And the thing with Crohn's as well, it's a lifelong disease. It doesn't ever go away. Yeah. Now, when I, when I did get chemotherapy, it suppressed it for a, for a couple of years. And actually right. came back last year with a bit of a vengeance. But. The chemo actually suppressed it, so that could be a maybe later, kind of like maybe in the future, that could be a, a treatment for Crohn's. But obviously, chemotherapy is it's a hardcore thing, you didn't really want to have that mm-hmm. just for a sore stomach. But, um, I so he showed me my photos and he said that like he told me how much inflammation there was in the bowel and that. And then I started on the treatment, obviously, it didn't work. Went on the azathioprine and that leaked into the cancer. So, I used to play for. Greenock Juniors, mm-hmm. um, and there was a boy called David McClure, mm-hmm. and he got Crohn's, right, and he disappeared for maybe about two months or something, right, mm-hmm. off training constantly, and the day he turned up, he looked like a skeleton, <laughs> honestly, chalk white, Aye. skeleton, lost every bit of weight on him, mm-hmm. and uh, it was Crohn's he had, I don't know what stage or anything like that, but yeah. basically, was just, I don't know if it was just the way he said it, he was just Aye. shitting himself from... Aye. From the, the inside out, like everything, he, was, he lost from what he nearly died from Crohn's. That's, that's horrible, you know. And it, it's a really, uh, it's another horrible disease. So. Aye, well, it is a minging disease, and I mean, to be honest, like I'm on the toilet maybe like three, four times a day. You get used to it. Horrible, though, being on the toilet three, four times a day. But um, what is the feelings like? Is it three, four times for diarrhea or for toilet, or is it just? Just for, it's basically diarrhea, to be honest. Is it goo that comes out constantly? Or? Nah, it's just really like the diarrhea. But it changes, like, one night, like, if you go, just say about three hours ago, it could be kind of like hard. But go three hours later, it can be soft. Like, watery. It, it changes. erratic. Aye, it's mental, like, the way it changes in that. And other symptoms as well, other symptoms, sorry, is like, you get ulcers on your mouth and on your bum hole. And that is, can you just imagine even try to that's, put any words? Like, how scary is that? That's tough. That's one of the that, that's probably the, the most painful thing about Crohn's is having the ulcers on the it's on the back so end. It's tough. It is. Like it's, it is. it's not fair. I know. So before we finish, you wanted to give a shout out to Dice Meal Prep. Dice Meal Prep. Dice. Um, I actually spoke to him. Aye. The the boy who owns it on and off because um, I'm sponsored by Prep to Plate. Aye. Who are absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Dice is also a fantastic meal prep company Definitely. and he's, he's, um, he, he's messaged me a few times even though I've been sponsored by prep he's always Aye. been so nice you know and Aye. I love that because normally Aye. people just not really entertain Aye. it if you're, if you're with another company do you Aye. know what I mean so big shout out to Dice hey, over to you what do you want it's your cousin isn't it Aye, it's, 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 it's basically my cousin um, so basically it was the first lockdown of 
in, you say to me, kind of like a, a kind that you like cooking and that, do you want to come and do a shift in the kitchen? I was like, well, it's sound and that, so went and done a shift in the kitchen, right? Went and, shot, went and done a shift in the kitchen and um, turned into doing three shifts a week. <laughs> and one of the chefs I was working with who, who works at Dice has got a Mitchell and Slaw. Wow. So, that, that, you know what I mean? That's that's a big, a big thing. Top notch. A top notch. And, um, you know, he's, well done to Sam for doing the meal prep company. He's doing thousands of meals a week. Booming, he's gone nationwide, probably worldwide soon. Um, <laughs> Um, aye, so I, I mean a big shout out to him. Do you still work with him now? I didn't work with him. Sometimes I go down and they've all shift. Yeah. Just to learn a bit new experience. Yeah. Um, but I definitely I've learned a lot through the dice kitchen. Because you're cooking mass. Aye. It's you're cooking mass. <laughs> not just cooking a couple of meals. Aye, you know what I mean? You're definitely. Thousands of them. You know what I mean? Aye. Mm-hmm. He's done really well for himself then. I definitely. Coming from the same kind of area as yourself. I, I mean, Sam grew up in the same street as me, six doors along from my house. Stayed with his granny when he was younger. Basically, oh, uh, got I, a lot in common then. I, Shout out to you, Sam, mate. That's top notch for your own company. I, a, a good example for everyone else as well. Yep. You know, um, listen, I think you've been absolutely incredible, mate. It's been a pleasure. It's been on much longer than we thought. I, we were originally only going to bring this out for like a 45 minute episode, but <laughs> Brandon's got a great story mm-hmm. and um, I think he deserved this whole platform Definitely. to tell it and he deserves a lot more he's an absolute inspiration young man Cheers. if you have any questions for Brandon um, what's your Instagram? Um, Brandon Boner 67 Brandon Boner 67 um, I'll put a wee, a wee link on the description below um, if you want to get in touch and his meal prep company uh, not the meal prep company the wee seeing all the holidays get a ton in the holidays okay, I've got it but that's, that's, probably, that's probably when I've got a date on the holidays when I've got time Christmas meals ah, over holiday meals right. so that is be dons grab and go be dons grab and go on Instagram <laughs> and um, yeah guys thank you for watching this was a great a, a great episode for inspiring and motivating people and I hope you guys can take a lot from it. Um, if you've got any questions on Crohn's disease, or um, I'll put you in touch with Brandon. Sorry. If you want to link up with him because you suffer from Crohn's disease, and you want to kind of you want someone to talk to who understands what you're going through, um, I'll put you through to Brandon, no problem. If you want advice and you're you're battling currently battling um, cancer just now, um, and you're maybe in a, in a dark place with it. Let us know, put you in touch with a big man. You know, he's thought he could get you through anything, I tell you that right now. And uh, no, thank you for coming on. All right. I'll see you. Thank you very much. Cheers.